Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Beyond the Buy Box. Welcome. Uh, we literally had some technical issues, so apologies. Yeah, we did. It was my fault. My fault. Yeah, for once, <laughs> it wasn't me. I was like, and it makes me really paranoid because I'm like, can you hear me? Can you see me? Okay, so it must be me. It couldn't possibly be you. It, it must be me. me. But it was you. So, yeah, it's made me super paranoid. Let me go into the comments. I hope everyone is okay. Guys, can you do me a favor? If you can let us know if you can see and hear us. Well, particularly me, because I'm super paranoid now, uh, thinking that I'm just, like, in a room. No, you're fine. It was all me. It was all my fault. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, how is everyone? We've got Cindy. Let me go into the comments. Uh, like I said, this week, guys, you are, if you're a member of the Hive, if you are watching Beyond the Buy Box, if you're part of the B-Stop Alpha Testing Group, you are going to get sick and tired of my voice this week. I can promise you that now. Um, let me go in. Uh, right. We're in the other group, but Sorry, guys, I'm going to have to ignore you because I wasn't prepared enough to go in. We've got Durangio's joined us. Hi, guys. Yeah, Jay says he can yes. uh, see and hear us. Just Nate, it's on the right. wrong side. Oh, no. On the wrong sides. What, what's going on? We're on the wrong sides. Cindy said oh. switch sides. <laughs> Crazy pair. There we go. Ta-da, by the power. Oh, is that? <laughs> You're making a dizzy. So watch it upside down, Cindy. It'd be fine. Just flip the phone around. I know, exactly. We've got Samantha's joined us as well. Uh, James, oh, it doesn't look right. It is like that whole Anton Deck thing, isn't it? Yeah, do you know what? I think it is. It, do, it did feel, it feels odd now, doesn't it, being on the wrong side? Exactly. I I felt something was wrong, and that's obviously what it was. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's making you dizzy. Okay, phew, that's better. Right, how are we, guys? How's it going? Um, there's a couple of things. Today's session... I definitely want to focus on that age-old question, OA versus wholesale. What is better? What's better for your business? What's better in the current climate? What's better, um, you know, for individual business owners versus people that use prep centers versus people that have their own warehouses, you know, versus the bedroom bandits? I want to kind of cover it all um, in as much detail as we can in the time that we have, obviously. But what I do want to talk about um, before, and anything that we're going to talk about is very subjective. And I think Matt and I actually have different views on this as well. In this current climate, I think a certain model is better and it's, it differs from Matt's view. So whenever we talk about this sort of stuff, it is kind of a bit tongue in cheek and it is in our opinion as well. Yeah. So yeah, I want people to take that on board. It's very much in our opinion. And it is very much a case of based on our own businesses and our own experiences as well. So just because I might say X is right, not X as in Twitter, I mean, X <laughs> is right, it's right for me. Okay. And that yeah, is yeah. my perception of it at that time. But then you should just do as I say anyway. But I think this is a really good point you've mentioned, actually, that we should definitely express is that what is right for an individual is different for somebody else. It, the, the sourcing model, how you run this business, in order to be successful, is picking the strategy that works for you, your time of life, your commitments, your your job, if you have a job, you know, it, my we are different people. You have kids. I don't have kids. I'm a bit younger than yourself. So, oops. <laughs> Scratch that. Edit. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll edit that bit out. But um, it, it's it's just different different 
times of life there your priorities are different to mine if that makes that's what, where i was going with that your priorities are a bit different to mine um so i think what sort of i've got master train of thought now because i've just took a massive hole just I'm leave Matt. just go just, just go. keep going <laughs> no just leave leave the podcast just go <laughs> brave <laughs> but yes different times of life um require different things and also having <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> <laughs> different times of life require require different things and what sourcing method works for an individual that that moment in time that with well, fits a lifestyle is is very subjective and it's not that i think people often go oh well this doesn't work but maybe it's just it doesn't work for you not it doesn't work that's yeah, now yeah Okay, let's just make it Natalie's podcast about how young she looks for the rest of the rest of the session, please. Um, <laughs> you can pay for my Botox. I don't have Botox, by the way. I was going to say, but you're going to give me, going to give me like a, a, yeah, give me a, what is it? It's, it's something about it. Anyway, let's move on. Um, no, now you've now I've now I've lost my chain of thought. But that is honestly that is the key. That is the key. It is you know, based on your current circumstances. So I'm, I know I asked a question in the group a bit earlier on in the week, you know, what are the biggest challenges you face um, in your business at the moment? And and someone brought up and we went down the rabbit hole of the TikTok gurus and everything like that of selling, mm. you know, it's not passive, it's not right, it's not this, it's not that. And before half term, I ran a session um, in the Hive where we're going to introduce Profit Sting, which is uh, the new way of reselling uh, training that we're introducing into the Hive over the next couple of weeks. And um, what's really interesting is it's one of those kind of training subjects that is very much associated with the TikTok guru. It's associated with, you know, going to B&M, buy a product and, you know, you'll be driving your Lambo, which to a lot of experienced sellers is just laughable, you know, to be perfectly honest. But it doesn't mean that model is dead, which there is such a big perception that standard reselling on Amazon, um, as in you buy something for one price and you sell it at a different price, is dead. You know, it's saturated, there's price tanking, all the TikTok gurus have ruined it. Absolutely not. It just needs to be looked at in a different kind of perspective and, you know, adapted to how, you know, and adapted how you can put it into your lifestyle and, and what you're doing. So, again, it's very much that's going to be the theme of the year, I think, is, is perception. And it's going to be working out what works for you and what fits around what you're doing. Because I was talking to some coaching um, students this morning and we were very much talking about the cost of living. So one of the other things I wanted to, to touch upon briefly is we are like, I mean, it's one of those things that kind of just been tucked under the carpet. We are technically in this country in a recession. Did anyone know that? Um, I'll be honest, it's been a struggle. Think past few months. No, I mean we yeah. are officially. I know, in... I know we are. I know we are. But I haven't. I hadn't. I don't think I'd really noticed it. But yeah. No, I mean I've not noticed it to be perfectly honest because we live uh, a life. We we very much, I suppose, run a business that would be considered to be. If I was to 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 put it under a certain um description it would probably be considered lifestyle business more than anything else you know the businesses that we run 
you know, run a certain type of lifestyle, which tends to move you away from the masses where you don't um, you don't worry about the announcement of a recession or something because it doesn't really affect us to be perfectly honest as it stands at the moment i'm and i don't want people to confuse that with arrogance and like oh it doesn't affect us because we're so brilliant and we make so much money and you know we're so great at what we do but when you are not reliant on someone else paying your wages as in you have a job or you're reliant on someone else making profit to fund your lifestyle you tend not to be affected by those sort of um announcements and it's a bit like the, it, you're aware but you're not really interested because it doesn't really affect us and debbie's right we've been in it for longer than you know they've they've been saying um in terms of inflation's much higher than the, the actual numbers and, and and things like that but the guys i was speaking to this morning we were talking about it and generally generally I don't understand how people that are not running some sort of side hustle in control of their own fate, running their own business, doing something to cover the extras in life. I really don't understand how people are living unless you're a a high earner or you sit very nicely below that 52,000 and you're in like I know a lot of people that sit below the what is it 51,000 before you go into the next tax bracket but there's two earners in the house. So you're maximizing, you know, that salary as much as possible. They live quite a comfortable life because you're getting the best level of tax and, um, you know, a hundred grand between two people is, you know, that's a good level of, of earnings. Right. So yeah, I don't understand if you're in what would be considered to be like a normal job and you're not doing the, how are you living at the moment? Maybe I'm just out of touch. Maybe I've been out in the matrix for so long. Maybe I'm just out of touch. I don't know. But you've you're the same, Matt. You're not in you're not in the matrix either. So no, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm I suppose the problem is, is I'm I'm I am a little bit out of it though because it's me and my wife are very we're two very um, middle middle earners. Um, we live in a fairly we live a fairly inexpensive lifestyle in terms of you know. We have a smallish house. We have we have a house much smaller than we could afford if we were stretched ourselves. We have one car between two of us. So we never really struggle financially. We don't have kids as well. So it's very hard for, for me to sort of relate, I suppose. But definitely in terms of other people, I can see how how, how challenging it is. But one thing I can certainly attest to is how, how challenging it's been from a cost management point of view for the business. Yeah. Like, um, you know, it's it's not just the obviously the individuals. Everything's going up for individuals, but also everything's going up for businesses. Like the cost of cardboard boxes, the cost of energy is still astronomical. Like we're still paying thousands and thousands of pounds a month just to run yeah. the warehouse in terms of energy and and things like that. Whereas uh, three years ago, four years ago, we would pay our energy bill was about two grand a year. It's now two grand a month in in the yeah. middle of, in middle of January. So it's absolutely astronomical costs that have gone up. Obviously, wages are going up again in April, minimum wage. Although we pay way over that, it still, you know, puts cost pressure on us to be to increase our wages to remain competitive. So certainly feeling the pinch from the cost management point of view from the business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting what Sean said. You know, we're going to talk about this OA versus wholesale. And I, I think I'm quite... Uh, on board with Sean. I think I've got, you know, spoiler alert, guys, uh, you know, I I do think 
for this moment in time, I do think retail online arbitrage is, um, you know, a slightly better model to go down uh, at the moment. In terms of the vanilla stuff, this is what I'm talking about. If you're just going to arbitrage, buy, sell, you know, which I consider wholesale to be arbitrage. It is arbitrage. You know, at the end of the day, you're buying at a certain level um, and then yeah. you're selling hopefully at a high level. That is the definition of arbitrage. That's what it is. So from my point of view, um, I don't want to like spoiler alert it too much, but Matt's very much on the wholesale team. I'm very much on the retail uh, side of, you know, in this current market and where we're heading for this year is, you know, a good indication of where to go. But we, we'll talk about that at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's finding different ways to be able to do things and facilitate certain lifestyles. But we'll come on to that in a moment. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to pick that up because I didn't want Sean to think I was ignoring his comments because they're very valid, I think, in, in this marketplace for sure. Yeah. But before yeah. we come on to that, I just wanted to spend five minutes. And when I say five minutes, it'll probably turn into half an hour talking about because there's probably some chatter that you've seen it's not going to affect the majority of people uh, that are in this group unless you're selling in the US there's been a big shake up on uh, or there's going to be a big shake up on on shipments have you guys heard of about this um about you know shipping into the US um and shipping within the US as well that there's going to be a lot of changes over the next couple of weeks come the 1st of March. They're really, it's one of the biggest changes I think I've seen from a logistics um, point of view since I've been a seller. You know, that's what it looks like in terms of not necessarily the infrastructure in the way that it works, that's changing, but also the fee structures as well. So, um, like I said, it won't affect the majority of people, but this is very much an Amazon podcast that deals with the latest changes and, and things like that. So I think it would be a miss if we didn't talk about it to a certain extent. So you guys know that if something like this were to come to the UK, which the US is always the precursor for the UK anyway, we, we know that, we but do. we don't know. This is a geographical issue. And obviously the States is what, hundred times bigger than the UK. Yeah, so it's interesting. Know. It's interesting because I imagine the same thing. I don't know if this will come to the to the UK because obviously the UK is so much smaller. Yeah. The UK is smaller than one single state. Um but also if you think of it from a European perspective, I think the mainland Europe is roughly the similar size to, to the US in terms of geographical, you know, if we talk the whole of Europe in. But in Europe you would never send all of your stock to to one country and have it sort of redistribute yeah. across the whole of the EU, generally speaking, I mean, obviously I, I'm talking from pre-Brexit or somewhere inside the EU, because obviously now now with Brexit, it's all a bit more complicated. But generally speaking, what we used to do was we used to send, oh, we send some to Germany, some to France, some to Italy, some to Spain. And I, so I think it's just sort of more natural to do that in Europe. But therefore, obviously, I think Amazon's looking at the cost of, of logistics of running stuff across the country for, world, for countrywide distribution and going this is costing us too much money. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those type of things that if you you look at it and you read it in the way that Amazon has published it, it's scary. It looks scary. But I want to kind of reassure people that this isn't new. If you've been a seller for a certain amount of time, this is actually how it used to be. Uh, mm -hmm. in, in the UK, shipments used to split a lot more. 
than they do now. So let me just quickly run over it for those who don't know what it is and might be worried that it's going to affect them. So first of all, if you just sell in the UK, this isn't going to affect you. So there we go. That's the quickest explanation you Excellent. will ever hear <laughs> me say. So don't even worry about it. It's not going to affect you or it certainly won't or it's nothing that you need to worry about for the moment. If you do sell in the US, so you are physically selling any type of products in the US, then yes, this is going to impact you regardless of what your company setup is or how and what model you are selling. Uh, and, you know, uh, if you're selling on, well, it's an Amazon product uh, policy. So why it's come about... <sighs> geographical it's logistical it's geographical it's come about in my opinion due to the fact of stock placement the country being so big and amazon no longer want to pay to transfer the stock it's to do with reducing delivery costs across the us you know i would say that's the reason of which this has come from and it's actually a really legitimate reason for amazon to do it i'm not annoyed at amazon for doing this because why should they absorb the cost, you know, for the, the cost of increase in um, logistical, you know, delivery costs and things like that. They shouldn't. They're a business at the end of the day. Of course, they're going to pass this on. Um, so, you know, this is an understandable uh, change from Amazon, whether or not it's the right change, who knows, time will tell. But essentially what it comes down to is uh, the US runs in exactly the same way as the UK in the sense that you put your shipment in, tells you where to send it, and you send it in. That You know, that's how it works. But what's going to change from the 1st of March is it's going to change as in you're going to have three options in front of you when you create your shipment. And it's going to be very much front-loaded, whereas before, when you create a shipment on Amazon, it kind of tells you everything at the back end of the shipment creation. How it's going to work moving forward is it's all going to be front loaded. So it's going to tell you pretty much at the start what needs to happen and what choice you need to make. And the three choices that are going to be in front of you are, and you know me, I, I like putting my own spin on things. Uh, you are literally going to have to pay to party, pay to play or you're going to have to suck it up buttercup. So this is what I mean. There's a cost you know, um, influence that's going to be involved here. So the first and the most expensive option is Amazon is going to charge you per racing for a shipment for it all to go to one location. So that means if you are someone that sends high volume of stuff, multiple boxes and shipments, pallets, you know, that type of thing, then that could be a potentially a very expensive option for you because it's going to be per unit that you are going to be charged for this being able to send it purely to one location. There's a second option where you can you can um pay for some to go to certain locations and then it's a bit of a lottery where Amazon sends it. So that's the mid price option or there's no fee option, which means that you will send it where Amazon tells you to send it. And that means lots of split shipments. So it may well be if you are a smaller seller and you are only selling 200 units, it could literally split it into 10 shipments which means putting 20 items in an individual box that you're going to send in sends your profit margins through the floor um, because it's going to cost you more per unit to send it in. Regardless of what market that you sell in, the more you can get in the box has always delivered what 
you know, you, your bottom line, the lower you can get it, obviously, the more profit margin that you have with the items that you sell. So those are going to be the options. You can either pay to party so you can send it in and you'll know exactly what it's going to be and you're going to get probably the best value out of your actual shipping cost. OK, the caveat to that is if you are someone that sends in via pallet or if you send high amounts of units in like small units, but you can get a thousand in a box, then you're going to have to pay 27. I'm going to say P, but it's not cents per item to send that in. So it could be an extra two hundred and seventy dollars that you could send in for a thousand items, even though it's going in one box. So does that make sense? So there are lots of different variables and caveats to this. But if you don't, then that could be split into 48 different shipments, which could be more of an inventory management shipment nightmare, especially if you're using a prep center, because you're going to get charged for 48 different boxes when it could go into one different box. So to be honest, it's a bit of a nightmare. And someone said this is a nightmare for a prep. It is absolute nightmare for a prep center. There are things that can be done if you're with the right prep center or you're in the know um, that you can help to avoid. But I wanted to run through and talk about some of the things that people, I've not heard people talking about. I consider myself to be someone that will always look at things a little bit differently. I think it's, you know, one of my skills, qualities, character, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Whereas when someone's focusing on 27p per unit and thinking, oh my God, how am I going to suck it up? How am I going to do this? How, how, how am I going to pay for that? It's going to be a nightmare. I think about it in a different way and I would look at it and say, okay, 27p per unit. Okay. The obvious thing is I need to put my prices up, but I'm not in control because I can't control the narrative of the pricing on the listing if there are other sellers on the listing. So one, it's a no-brainer. Be in control of your listings, create your own listings and be in control of that. That's a quick answer from that point of view. Uh, and you can either absorb the cost or you can put your prices up. You know, that that's pretty simple, to be perfectly honest. If you are competing against other sellers and people are not prepared to pay the 27 cents per item to send it in, I look at it in the way that if I can send it direct to one unit, then actually this could, it might be better to pay that because while everyone else is fanning around, sending it to different things and checking in different places and doing this and doing that, my stock could go in, checking a lot quicker and I could sell it at a higher profit than when everyone else comes in anyway. So that 27 cents is kind of irrelevant because the price may or may not have dropped in that point anyway. It could get me ahead of the competition because we're very much a case of we look at figures and fees on Amazon as static figures when they're not. They're quite fluid because when I make my decision on whether I'm going to purchase and sell something, I say, right, there's five pound profit in that. But actually, there's not. That's a movable figure. OK, when I send something in to when it lands to what it actually sells are two different things. So I need to focus more on what my margin is as opposed to monetary value. So don't get caught up in the 27 cents per unit. You need to focus more on what is your bottom line, if that makes sense. And it could not affect your bottom line because you could end up paying to party, as I call it, living your best life, getting it in. And that might become an arbitrary figure anyway.
Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. Sorry to interrupt this amazing episode of Beyond the Buy Box, but there's just something I need to tell you about. I'm Matthew, one of the founders of Beyond the Buy Box, and have you heard of The Hive? Are you tired of navigating the challenges of online selling alone? It's time to join a community that understands your journey and has the expertise to help you thrive. Well, welcome to The Hive. Inside The Hive, we're not just a community. We're a mastermind set of individuals committed to your success. Education is at the core of The Hive. With a steady flow of content and weekly interactive live sessions, you'll not only learn about advanced selling strategies, but also discover how effectively to sell across a diverse range of platforms and in various global markets. Network with fellow business owners, share experiences, and keep yourself accountable. Your success is influenced by who you choose to spend your time with. Access invaluable resources from exclusive pre-recorded content to a constantly expanding collection of templates, guidelines, standing operating procedures, and so much more. It's always up to date so you can be confident to stay steps ahead of the competition with the Hive community. Join the Hive today and experience the transformative support you need in the challenging journey of e-commerce. Visit the link below to become a member of the Hive and unlock the door to your e-commerce success. Don't miss out on the Hive advantage. Join the Hive community where success is a collective journey. Um, someone's raised a really good point. Um, this is going to be a nightmare for prep centers. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. yeah. yeah and that's I think, what I mean. I think the, the bigger challenge as well, it's going to, re- it's going to massively increase the prep, prep fees because you're not necessarily going to optimize your inbound distribution. So how it currently works, obviously, you put stuff in a box, you fill a box, you ship a box out. But yeah. what happens if you've, you know, you, you can't, you can't buy on something you don't know about because you don't know where Amazon's going to want this stock to go. Yeah, so you can't go. Well, I'm going to order ten boxes because we're going to send to one box to each distribution center, or you know, X amount of case packs or whatever, because you don't know where it's going to go. So you're going to end up overpaying on inbound shipping because invariably you're going to end up sending some to some place and have have three units in a box, or they're going to sit in the prep center. Now, if you're in your own warehouse, this might not be as an issue because you maybe just put it back on a shelf and wait till you get some more in. But prep center is going to need to send everything in, so they're going to end. You're going to end up definitely overpaying on inbound costs. You'll be paying yeah. for extra boxes. This is where, without a doubt, being reliant on a prep center does most definitely on, and being reliant on a prep center that charges you based on how quickly they do stuff is going to become a nightmare and Mm. based on storage fees and the extras. So if you are someone that is selling in the US and you use a prep center, I would be having a conversation now with that prep center, asking them how this is going to impact them. How do they intend? What things are they going to be putting in place? How are they going to navigate this? Is it going to think they're going to change their prices? And, you know, they're all going to say no. They're all going to say no, it's not. But I tell you what, this is going to be huge. I, as a seller, am not worried about this. I'll be completely honest. Everyone knows I sell in the US. I'm not. I'm not losing any sleep over this. Every possible impact that can impact on me as a seller, I can navigate around. Okay, I can navigate around by looking at it proactively, by working out ways to get around it. I've got experience and ideas in the arsenal and the ability to implement them that I can get around this. I am not bothered about it. If I was a prep center owner, I'd be pooping my pants, to be perfectly honest, unless I had a plan. Because I know 
the answer will be, yeah, it's not really an issue for us. And by the way, of course, I'm talking about from an American point of view, because this is an American issue. Um, but unless you know how to navigate this, and there are ways to navigate it, unless you know how to navigate this as a prep center, I would, unless someone could give me a very solid answer, I would be thinking about how this is going to impact on me. So the people that are in control of their own shipments, again, are going to be in a slightly better position in the short term than someone who is fully reliant on a on a prep center at the moment. That's that's my thoughts on it. But I don't want to concentrate on this subject too much because it doesn't it affect it's it's interesting conversation as an mm -hmm. Amazon seller. Uh, good conversation to have. Um, yes, we do know more people now do sell in the US. But this is very much going to be, this is a bit like, oh, that sounds like a you problem for a prep center. And yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know who said that. So that's exactly the point I was making. They are absolutely going to tell you this isn't a problem. And yeah. it is for a prep center. It is a problem for a prep center because most prep centers that are of a certain level will base their pricing on how quickly they can prep your goods and how quickly they can get your stuff out and storage. And they'll factor all of that in. Whereas if you've got a prep center that's just pulled like a pound out of nowhere, you know, whatever, and hasn't really thought about uh, the processes involved in their pricing and what it contributes to, then... Um, they're going to be less of a problem <laughs> from that point. If someone's just say, oh, I know we're charged 50p a unit. There we go. You're not, they're not probably going to worry about this so much, but if you're working with someone that's a bit more organized, um, that is doing the time versus money versus process versus output, then they, your fees are going to go through the roof. So I would just have that conversation. How is this going to impact you as a prep center? What are you putting in place to navigate this? And where do you think, or how do you think this is going to impact pricing moving mm. forward? Because they will be able to absorb it for a certain amount of time. Um, and to be honest, some people might say, I can see this happening in the future, not now, that you might get prep centers turning around and saying, look, you can only work with us now if you're prepared to pay the one shipment fee. Yeah. And again, that might be better for you to pay it because if you're paying 50p or 50 cents a unit to ship in now, which you won't be in America, so it's more expensive than that. And it costs you 27 cents to send it into a specific location. But the prep center says, well, actually, we're going to go up to a dollar a unit because of this. You're better off paying the placement fee. Yeah. So just think about it a little bit three dimensionally, guys. This is don't be scared by what Amazon says. You have to think about it at a bit of a, you know, a deeper level in terms of follow the process through and think about the consequences. Don't just see the 27 and think my margins can't absorb that. It could well be that you can't afford not to pay that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this that's a very similar conversation to because I, I have a few mentoring clients, very similar conversation to, to what I've said to them, not obviously the placement side, but certainly from the numbers side. Um, I think we're in a period of time now where margins are more important than ever, making profit margin on every single order because there's all these new fees coming in, everything's going up. And sometimes you may need to adjust your business. So if this this is an issue, 
maybe the answer is to sell things in larger pack sizes. You know, if you're doing multi-packs, you, you increase the pack size because you'll make more money per order by increasing the pack size. And this may hit your business a little bit at first because people will still do the old way, but the old way will become unviable. And then they will either go out of business or they'll end up copying you because they can't make money the old way. So get ahead of the game. Maybe start looking at increasing pack sizes, um, looking at higher value goods. This is a, the greatest, the easiest way to overcome this. I don't know why, but when everybody seems to start, they seem to source the cheapest goods and sell them as low as possible that they can. I don't know if it's maybe just like a risk mitigation thing. I think but, so. But you know, if you're buying something for, for a pound or a dollar and selling it for $4, by the time you've shipped it, you're left with literally pence, probably 10, 15 P. Yeah. If you expedite that by you buy something for 10 pounds and sell it for 30 pounds, this 27 cents, 27 P decrease will not even register because your margins will naturally be able to take that. Because a lot of Amazon's fees, what I've noticed, they're very fixed. They're not percentage based. A lot of these new fulfillment fees are X amount per unit. And simply by increasing the value of the goods you sell, either by increasing the pack sizes, so instead of selling two, you sell 10, and therefore instead of selling it for £3, you sell it for sort of £15. The easiest way to mitigate all these costs. Yeah, absolutely. And Simon is absolutely right there. And I did a, a, a Beyond the Buy Box, or formerly Nevermind the Buy Box, about maybe about a year ago based on this and that realisation of... We are now, now we are out of the crazy good times of COVID. And I say that <laughs> tongue in cheek, guys, not people, whatever, getting sick and doing this. But, you know, this being a really easy business and like chucking a load of poop against the wall and it's sticking because that absolutely could happen, you know, during that period of time, you know, even, you know, if you weren't making money in that time, what were you doing? You know, that that's how easy it kind of was. This really does, you know, without misgendering anyone in 2024, it really sorts the boys from the men now. We're getting into a period of time where are you trying to run a side hustle or are you trying to run a business? Because there's nothing wrong with side hustles. But the realization is people try and scale side hustles. And you cannot do that. You need to make a decision. And this is, it leads us very, very nicely into um, what we're going to talk about today, which is retail and online arbitrage versus wholesale and having these conversations with yourself. Now, you don't always, sometimes you just have to see where, where business takes you. Absolutely. And explore and test. I encourage everybody to be able to do that. But I do think having a serious word, you know, word with yourself and conversation with yourself when you get to a certain point in this business and the direction in which you want to take it really will help you in mindset and, you know, where you take your business. So let's look at it and talk about that from point, a scalability point of view. You know, Matthew uh, led us to that point very nicely. Are you looking at doing this business, do you want it to be a side hustle, which is absolutely nothing wrong with that? I think, again, during COVID, that got lost as well. Like, you have to be a seven-figure seller. You have to do this amount. You have to do that. Do you know what? Some people just maybe don't want that because what yeah. I talked about at the start of this, 
maybe you are doing this because yeah, you might not be deliriously happy in your job, but you want the security of your job and you just want to do this to cover those extras that used to be a luxury in life that are no longer a luxury. They're actually, you know, necessities. Maybe this pays for your shopping. Maybe this pays for your petrol. Maybe, I don't know. Again, the gurus are telling you that if you buy uh, something from B&M and you buy it for a pound and you sell it for two, three months down the line, you're going to have a Lambo. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Um, whereas actually, this business can be a great side hustle. If you're not reliant on it financially, you can build it up yeah. very nicely and it can give you a really nice way of life. I've talked about this. You run this business right, you know, in two months, I'm going to Florida, business class, flights that cost 12 and a half grand that I don't have to pay for, my business paid for them. And that would have been the same regardless of whether it was a, you know, a business or a side hustle. It can do that for you in your business. Isn't that something nice to be able to pay for your holidays, your car, your this, your that or whatever. So you don't have to want this to be a full-time gig. It can be a side hustle, but I think you should know that from the start uh, or or relatively near the start, if that makes sense. So I think that's the first thing. And depending on the answer for that, that's where, if it's a side hustle for you, you're probably not going to want to go down the wholesale route. Yeah. Because wholesale comes with a lot more responsibility in business that Matthew was just talking about, fine margins. And if you run a business on fine margins, which wholesale generally is, then you have to be analytical in that business. You have to do that time versus effort versus, you know, all of yeah. these different things that separate the boys from the men uh, in terms of, you know, profit margins. If you're trying to run a side hustle on wholesale, I don't think, in my opinion, and like I said, very subjective, that works. So therefore, you're probably better off going down the retail arbitrage route uh, in terms of, well, retail online arbitrage route unless you've got a specific ASIN that's a good replan that you know that you can buy that sells month in, month out, that's different again. But you don't need to worry about it scaling a side hustle. You can still scale, but you don't need to scale in the same way. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I think what people don't understand... I I think the problem with with the transition to wholesale is people think that like you, you're basically leveraging you're leveraging up OA or I'm just going to do OA and I'm going to get way more stuff so I'm going to make way more money and wholesale's nothing like that at all wholesale's a different business model the margins are a lot smaller as you've said and the way to achieve success in wholesale is through is through scale you know yeah. if I can get 50p cheaper per order on my shipping because I'm doing a thousand orders a day then you can then I'm making £500 a day more than you on the same products. And if you're not prepared to scale that, you're not going to make that profit, you know? And it's it's the difference. It's a different mindset that, that people people have to get themselves into. And a, and a wholesale business is running a very different way to a, a tr truly arbitrage business. Absolutely. And it's that investment versus ri uh, risk as well. So Sean mentioned something earlier. Now, wholesale, again, what's the difference between retail versus wholesale? Uh, I think most people are kind of aware of this now. Buying wholesale does not necessarily mean the cheapest prices. Uh, you no. know, I will be able to get my jar of Marmite cheaper 
likely from Sainsbury's or Tesco's than I can from BS wholesalers, um, essentially. So this is important factor to know. If I want to scale my business, okay, in terms of uh, profit margins, I want to be selling more because I feel I'm missing opportunities in terms of I'm constantly running out of stock of a specific item because I physically cannot get stock from the retailers. That's when you should look at a wholesale option. But with the mindset of knowing you're not going to get it any cheaper, what it is, is probably that security of supply of product understanding that you will get the product more freely, but it's going to cost you more investment, uh, which comes with more risk, obviously, as well, because something could happen to it, the listing could get shut down. And if you've invested in something, um, you know, at a high level, then you could get burned. So that is a, a mindset shift difference between yeah. the two anyway, as well. But you then have to consider the compounding effect of wholesale versus um, arbitrage, because if I'm selling 10 units every single month of my Marmite that I can get from Tesco, I'm probably going to have the maximum level of monetary profitability. Whereas if, uh, but I could be missing 50 sales every month. Okay. If I transfer that to wholesale in terms of ROI, my profit and my margins are going to go down, but over a longer period over the year, I'm going to have, you know, uh, sorry, I said that wrong. I'm going to have more monetary profit over the year. So your margins and your ROIs are probably, or they should be higher in retail, whereas your monetary, your bottom line, your overall net profit will likely be more, but it will take longer to be able to scale to within wholesale. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as well, I think you've you've got to realize that, that even if you sell the same products, you know, the, the way to make money in wholesale is to sell 10 at a pound rather than buying one and making 10 pounds. That's 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 the literal difference. And it, it depends what you what which again, it's all back to like what we said at the start. It's back to lifestyle, business, yeah. time of life, business objectives. If you if you if you're maybe any this happened to anyone, it can, anyone can do this, but it depends if you know what 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 your situation is. No wholesale, I don't think you can run a wholesale business part time. I just I just don't think you can. You know, mm. for the volume of product you need to get through, the cash requirements, the constant numbers, because it's such tight margins. Generally speaking, you need to always be on your numbers. You need to know the, the numbers of every single product, and um, you should always be refining your operations. You know. You go into the warehouse, right? Well, if we we did we did this the other week in our business, we moved the desks around because it saved thirty seconds per order because it was closer to the shelves. Now we do thirty seconds per order times hundred dollars a day times X amount a year. That's like you know thousands of pounds in labor cost saved, and that's mm -hmm. the macro increments that you need to be implementing in wholesale to make it successful. You're not looking at going to Argos and buying five things. You're looking at right. Well, if we relocate these desks then we can make a thousand pound a year because we save the picking time or we group these products together. These are our most popular sellers. So if we put them nearer to the desks, we therefore reduce the labor time. It's all these kind of different macro, it's a different management style, a different business. And different people as well. And again, this is yeah. the highlight of it. Um, I wouldn't do that in my business. Now, 
Matt, I know you would. I know Matt Cromie would. I know Johnny would. I wouldn't do that because I have a different skill set in the sense of I don't sweat the small stuff. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's not my job in my business to sweat the small stuff. I'm a yeah. creator. So what I mean by that is I worry about the money coming in. It's someone else's job in my business to be able to worry about what goes out and, you know, everything like that. So I'm in the best possible position to be in in my business because, you know, I'm in I, I'm in the unicorns and rainbows land, you know, just worry about what's, you know, the creation <laughs> side of it. But for some someone else, that's the hardest part of it yeah. you know and again it's about knowing what your capabilities are and being okay with that uh i am famously bad at technology i am famously not worried about sweating the small stuff and and the bottom lines and things like that because i have allocated someone else in my business to deal with that and that's fine i don't need to be that person and again oa versus wholesale if I wanted to build a purely wholesale business, I would need to be aware of my capabilities in business and knowing that that model is just not for me. Or I can do it, but I need to be in a position that I can bring someone into my business that will focus on those micro elements, you know, in the business because I'm not going to do it. It's as simple as that. So it's understanding. It, so it's really important when I say have a word with yourself, guys, in terms of what you want. That's so important in which direction you want to go down the business in that route. Do not be glamorized into, you know, you have to go wholesale on, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that. And it's also that definition of understanding the difference between what I consider to be wholesale, what you consider to be wholesale, that definition of what the business is. Like for me, I consider Johnny to be a wholesale seller. OK, yeah. whereas I do not consider myself to be a wholesale seller, even though I purchase a certain amount of units or X amount of products from wholesale because I've just found a good route uh, to be able to do it. I do not negotiate with wholesalers. Johnny does. You know, that's very important part of his business. I am more about the level of supply. That's all I really care about because I create the majority of my own listing. So therefore I'm in control of my own, you know, destiny in terms of pricing. So that's not really as much of an element for me as it would be for a truly unique wholesale seller. So you have to have that level of skill set in your arsenal. You have to be prepared to do it. And if you're not prepared to do it, is it the right business model? So that's a big difference focusing on the small stuff you don't need to do that as much in retail online arbitrage versus wholesale and i think people don't talk about that they don't because no. well i mean it's not sexy either to talk about no. it. i think it's sexy but you know but then again another thing there you've just again analyzing your skills it just actually came to me um some people are naturally introverted and some people are way more extroverted like you yourself are a natural extrovert I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not quite as extroverted. As you, you are just me. full of the compliments for me I today, know. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old and extrovert. You've had a week off, so you, this is what you get. <laughs> but again, again, it's knowing what you're good at. So if you're not good at speaking to people, retail mm -hmm. arbitrage is not good for you because you've literally yeah. got to walk up to someone in a shop and start talking to them about stock. You know, if, you, if you're a natural introvert, then you're going to really struggle with that business model and make it work. And a bit, and certainly with wholesale, in not so much in the way you do it, because like you said, you don't need to negotiate with price. 
It's more about the creativity, finding the finding the products and putting them together in, in a profitable way. But what I do and what Johnny do is all about hammering out negotiations, being yeah. friendly with people, meeting people, you know, getting to know them and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'll, I often just have random phone conversations with suppliers with actually no intention of buying anything. So it's a very different model. It's very different. And it's all about your skill sets. If you're not a natural extrovert, you're not in, you're not good at talking to people, play to them skills. You probably are far more analytical because that's the you naturally are. And therefore doing a different business model would, would suit your your style. Because there's no point doing something you hate. If you hate, if you absolutely despise people and going out and shopping. Because I know I I love retail arbitrage. I love sourcing, but I know people say it's the worst thing in the business. So again. Yeah removing those those barriers if you hate sourcing building a replenishable wholesale model it's going to be way less sourcing for you if you love sourcing yeah. then oh wait retail arbitrage which constantly requires sourcing it's going to be a better business model and you'll be naturally more successful because you're doing what you enjoy and what your naturally yeah. natural skill set is yeah i think so so i was in Superdrug last night and um i was taking my daughter to cheerlead and i was going shopping um when i was taken there and i actually spotted a product that i've had trouble um sourcing online from Superdrug mm. for this particular product and i spotted that it was buy one get one half price and they had loads in stock they had like 20 so i like snapped them all up always leave two on the shelf always leave it <laughs> um and uh i know some people are like clear the shelf i'm like no i always leave always leave two and um it's having that ability like most people um would be like oh my gosh she's taking 18 units or i think it might be 16 units something like that someone's going to ask you and you're like sweating it and i can see people looking at me i can see people looking at me why on earth has she got 18 or 16 units of that what is going on it perplexes people it actually makes me laugh a little bit because i'm th i'm thinking Haha, i know something you don't you know and um but it does it, it i I like human behavior. I like observing other people and seeing that kind of go on makes me laugh. But anyway, so we get up to the counter, plonk them down on the counter and I saw them on the way out. So I'd already spoken to the girl at the counter on the way out. I'd already bought my stuff. And then I saw these goods on the way out and I said, Oh, just saw these, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I, I like headed off the conversation before it started. Oh, I saw these on the way out. I've been looking for these for ages, you know, so I immediately shut down any type of conversation. Why have you got 18? Why have you got 16 of these? Well, I've just told you, I've been looking for them for ages. Mm. You know, I've been looking for them for the ages and I just saw them on the way out. I couldn't believe it. So here I am getting the lot, you know, and it kind of shut. It's like a distraction sort of technique. But if you do not have that, um, I don't know if it's ability to, to think about it or uh, it's probably more confrontational. It's more of a confrontational approach, I suppose, more than than anything else. If you're just going to plonk them down, look guilty as sin and be like, you're going to get questioned. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And to be honest, they probably don't really care, to be perfectly honest. So um, they, they only care. Again, I think I've said this in a few of my retail thing, uh, trainings is that the reason they care is because they're worried about fraud. They're, mm. they're not bothered that you're buying 18 to resell. They're bothered that you buy 18 and you're using a stolen credit card. That's the reason they're bothered. You yeah. know, you 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 misunderstand. I think people misinterpret where where the apprehension comes from. So that they're they're very apprehensive because I used to work in supermarket and we were always every day we were they were banging on about fraud, fake money, fake credit cards. You know, watch out for returns because people would defraud the store hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. Um, and that's very much the mantra in retail is theft and fraud. 
And it's yeah. not that they're, they're necessarily bothered. They don't really care whether you sell an 18 on them on Amazon. It's more the fact that they're worried that is what, what, why are you buying these? And, and is there some sort of dodgy fraud element going on here? Yeah, exactly. So whatever you are thinking, they are probably not thinking that. But we digress there a little bit. Mm. But that's definitely one of the differences that you guys need to think about is think about the route in which the business model is going to take you. And just because someone tells you wholesale sex is sexy and you should be doing it, otherwise you won't get your Lambo, really think about what it can do for you, your lifestyle and your business, your capabilities, your personal setup, where you want the business to go. Because there's a good chance if you're going to be a wholesale business, you're going to have to have your own warehouse. You know, yes, I know you get freaks of nature like Johnny who are able to travel the world, um, you know, whilst he has his wholesale business. But the reason Johnny can do that is because his setup is so frigging good. That's why he can do it. So if you do not have that capability or skill set to be able to do that, then unfortunately, digital nomading, running a multi-seven-figure wholesale business is probably not going to be for you. So it's having the reality check and understanding the differences between the model and where it can take you. You will lead a much happier and less frustrating mm. life. You know, I work with so many people that are building towards a business that is just not suitable for them for a multitude of different reasons, you know, for what they want out of life, their goals, what they're capable of, um, you know, their financial circumstances, their family restraints, you know, all of these different types of things. So you really do need to figure out what you want from this, not before you've started, you know, set it up. It's probably like a I don't know, like a six month conversation. Um, so if you've been haven't had this conversation with yourself and you've been selling more than six months, you probably should have it. You know, find out what all the differences are between the model and where it could potentially take you. If you don't want to scale the business to your own warehouse and whatever, stick with arbitrage and mm. go more into, you know, arbitrage bundles and going down that route. You don't need to go into wholesale to take that next step. There's a different route. There's a different option for you guys. You have to know what you want to be able to achieve out of it because the main differences that come between arbitrage from a retail point of view versus wholesale is going to be scalability it's going to be investment versus risk. It's going to require much higher levels of investment versus a much higher tolerance of risk. I am famously, I've got crap risk levels. Like I am crap at risk levels. So I don't, I like to mitigate my risk. Anyone that's done any of my training, I mitigate my risk so much that it's almost a guarantee that it's going to work. I don't like risk. I'm not a risky person at all. Whereas, yeah, you got you, Johnny and Matt, like, scare the life out of me. Just bought some you hot know? tub this morning. You what? I'm banking on a good, good summer. Just bought some you... hot tub this morning. Oh, I was talking to someone else about hot tubs. Like, I know. <laughs> We're all in the dice on that one. But, right. Um... If, if not, I was going to say it could be the new hive introductory offer you join a <laughs> free hot tub free hot tub when you join take <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to the next ne next meetup event yeah <laughs> exactly next meetup event you get free uh hot tub simon makes a good point there actually actually it's phil uh phil i don't want to bring up hot tubs too much i you probably uh uh you'd probably go and sit and shake in a corner if we bring up uh hot tubs too much um but yeah i'll let i'll let him say about that um 
But yeah, again, uh, time constraints as well. Believe it or not, once you actually get, um, once you've got the the logistics of a uh, wholesale business, whether you do it for a prep center, which again, I believe that there's probably only a certain level you can scale it to with a prep center. You know, yeah. if you want to go above seven figures, you really do need to consider your own premises at that point. Um, but if you want to stay kind of seven figure um, around the that sort of wholesale, that can be done through a prep center. Mm. And if you are someone you know, and, and, and you want that kind of four hour work week, if you're not prepping yourself, if you're on wholesale, which means that you're just literally clicking and reordering products, that's actually, you know, a really good business to yeah. have. That's going to be one of the most time freeing businesses possible. Yeah. You I know, I just want to dive into what you've said there, actually. Um, one of the real, really crucial differences that people sometimes misunderstand is, in my opinion, this is certainly my opinion, in order for you to have a business and not a job, because I think what a lot of people do in this, this space is they, they create themselves a job. Now, it can be a very well-paying job, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, especially if you're doing this as a side hustle. But in order to build a business, the definition, in my opinion, of a business is where you can remove yourself without consequence and everything will continue to operate indefinitely mm -hmm. that is in my opinion the definition of a business until you get yourself to that stage where you can walk away for an extended period of time now we're not talking about oh you're never going to speak to them because obviously you're always going to have input on and seeing it through and things like that but if you can't walk out of your business and take a year out and it continue continue operating you haven't got a business you've got a job yeah and you've got to understand there's a very fundamental difference there yeah absolutely and i would actually put myself in the category of me personally within my business i do have a job mm. you know i can take myself out of business for a certain amount of time perfect example i was talking to a couple of guys beforehand uh that i do coaching with and they said how was half term i said it was great for the first time ever i've been truly responsible and i've told everyone don't contact me i'm out i'm done you know, and that's the first time I've done that for a really long period of time, but I couldn't do that indefinitely. Yeah. Because like I couldn't, I work with people too closely in the sense of um, working with people one-to-one, -one, the hive and, you know, everything that I create for that um, and, you know, stuff, this and my own business. The actual selling of my business is the thing that I'm the least amount involved in. Uh, in the physical product selling, that's the least amount. But again, don't mistake that for, I know I've got that job, but that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying I'm not saying if anyone's got a job that, that you know, yeah. it's I don't not want them, successful. I, yeah, I don't I'm want anyone saying, to I think in terms of I've made that choice. Yes, absolutely. And many people, many people want to run the business just as themselves. But this all comes back to what we said back to the very beginning. What do you want? People say I want a passive business. Now, a passive what? business is not is not I have a prep center and a load of VAs that need managing. That's not a prep center. That's a job. A passive business, a truly passive business is where you can walk away for a year and nobody needs to contact you and that business will maintain its sales, continue to operate and ideally continue to grow, not just not just survive, but grow. That's a business.
Sorry, I've got to read uh, Redouan's <laughs> comment. Uh, I once bought about 15 Pikachus from Tesco. And when I was asked by the cashier why I bought so many, I told her that I felt sorry for them. So I was going to set them free. The cashier laughed and I left. Absolutely. Humor goes down so well in those. So if you're not funny, guys, don't do retail arbitrage. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not going to work for you. No, that is yeah. a joke. Yeah, yeah. I I knew the uh, the hot tubs will bring up a, a cold shudder down Phil's spine. <laughs> there, let's let's not talk about let's not talk about that uh, anymore. But yeah, so those differences: investment versus risk versus time versus money. Those are things you got to get. So when we talk about these differences, I hope you guys don't. You know, or we're not going to talk about well the difference between OA. And an arbitrage, uh, sorry, and wholesale is, well, OA is when you order online from Argos and you do that. <laughs> you guys should know this by now. Yeah. What we're talking about is the fine details of what you want to build OA versus wholesale for that businesses and what is going to be right for you. Because scalability, yeah. investment, mm -hmm. what you want to achieve, is it a side hustle? But again, I really want to get back into encouraging a side hustle again. I, I've never been a huge fan of the term side hustle. I think it's just very much associated with like the Gary Vaynerchuk kind of like side hustle, you know, go into Adidas and get a load of trainers and flip them and, you know, kind of do this. <laughs> Whereas I don't want people to maybe look back at old videos and think I hate so I hate the words, the term, you know, I, I dislike the term side hustle, whereas I am a big fan of the side hustle. As long as you know it's a side hustle, do not try. And again, if you want to do it to start a side hustle, do it. But don't try and scale a side hustle. You need to make certain decisions and strategic answers within your business. Um, you know, when you come across these things, you can start this business as a side hustle. You can see the potential and then you can convert it to build a business. Yeah. OK, yeah. that's important. Whereas if you're just trying to, you know, scale a side hustle, that's going to end in tears because it's not going to be possible because there's certain directions and there's certain things that you need to do in in which you're going to go but obviously one of the big things as well is the availability of goods as well and again the strategy that comes with it with this difference between the both um if you want depth of products and availability of goods from online uh, arbitrage and retail arbitrage your inventory management and sourcing needs to be on point you have got to have a great replan system. You've got to know when to buy, what to buy, what the offers are. Are you going to go and do click and collect? Is there going to be an element of retail arbitrage? If you're going to stay on the arbitrage side of things, that's absolutely fine. You can totally do that. But you have to know that more of the time and the payoff is going to come from the sourcing. Whereas yeah. with wholesale, you're going to have that free level of supply of stock so therefore you either need to scale um based on smaller and slimmer margins which means you need to do volume of unit or you need to be bloody good at negotiation and you yeah. need to get it the cheapest if you're not going to do it based on volume of units yeah absolutely and i think as well i think a lot of people where a lot of people struggle from what i've seen is the transition 
because they, they they enter into wholesale, but they treat it like arbitrage, and then the profits and the sale the profits fall off a cliff, and then they're they're basically like not making any money, and then they quit the business because they don't make any money out of it. And it's it, it it's there's lots of different shifts. So changing business model requires a shift in thinking. Again, scaling when you scale. So like 100K to 500K is one mindset. 500K to a million is another mindset. A million to five million is another mindset. It's all diff- different mindsets, different goals, different objectives. So it's it's the transition between those, those models that I think is definitely the most challenging thing. And taking people, like you say, from the what we determined to be the side hustle into the full-time big the bigger business and there's from what we've said today, there's nothing there's no there's no reason not to do arbitrage as well i think i just want to make that clear again we're not we're, with the hive we 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 support all types of business models we're not the kind of people who say come to us and we'll teach you wholesale because it's the most amazing thing since sliced bread you mm-hmm. know there's there's a place for everything and also there's no reason why you can't can't when you transition there's no reason to say right i don't buy from retailers anymore i'm just going to do wholesale you can you can complement each other like i do retail arbitrage i do wholesale i do end the line i do three types of sourcing you know i'm probably going to start we do import export and we're we're going to be introducing bundles into our business i've not said this yet but i've been watching the training i've been on the training for a a while now and i thought you know what i need to get in on this (laughs) oh that's why you keep asking me questions it is (laughs) do you know what um that's so true so i'm gonna give you a hot tip here guys so this is like a mic drop and it's so simple and i say this so much with uh, with a lot of the stuff when i talk to people in coaching and you know in the hive and things like that honestly the the big things that could have the biggest impact in your business are the most simplest like and and we're always in a position as business owners that you think it can't be that easy it can't be that not easy sorry i rephrase that yeah but it can't be that simple that's not the answer right and i'm like yeah it actually is so what you said about mixing you know, different models then, which is really good. So one of the big things, if people follow me and follow my training and know that I always talk about is being out of stock, no excuse. You know, once you've got a good inventory or replen management system set up, albeit manual, obviously something's going to change with the introduction of V-Stocked, you know, which is currently in development. Um, But if you are someone that is a replen seller uh, and you're a wholesale seller, and I never want to hear anyone's out of stock, um because they're like yeah i know but my wholesaler ran out of supply so get yourself down tesco's and buy some yeah to fill the gap yeah but i'm a wholesale seller okay uh it doesn't matter you're in the business of supply we are in the business of supply and demand okay so it's not just a case of just because you can't get it it doesn't mean it's not available so fill the gaps margin mix it up um, you know, you should always have the ability to be able to source from different options. And I don't care. Like I said, we, we, you know, when you go through that transition, it's like, no, I've been through that transition. I am now a wholesale seller. I couldn't possibly get it from Tesco's. Well, what's more important to your business? Um, supply? Or is it where you purchase it from? And your definition of the business model? Yeah. So it's a great that's a great tip as well because one of the things that we do really well is we play we play off our wholesalers against the retailers. So if you know what the retail prices are, 
and if a particular product's on offer, we'll go to your wholesale and say, hi, we really want to buy this product, but it's cheaper in Tesco, what can you do? You know, it's it's little things like that that will really move the profitability and move the needle. And they may come back, they may say, sorry, Tesco's running a pro- promo, we can't do anything. But then you get yourself on yeah. Tesco and buy from Tesco because it's cheaper. And if I know well, they might come back and say, oh yeah, actually, we, yeah, we can price match that. And then, you know, there you for there's your simple negotiation. Yeah, absolutely. And sorry, I don't know who said that. Out of stock definitely hurts your account more than people realize. Absolutely. It's Simon that says that. That is so true. You are hurting yourself more. And you know what's really interesting? Again, this is this is what I get. There's there's no kind of hiding a little bit, um, you know, when you do have these conversations with people, because you can give me every excuse under the sun while you've gone out of stock and I can find you every solution as to why you haven't. The only time you will ever be able to get away with the argument that you are out of stock and it's fine is if that product is physically no longer available. It's been discontinued and you cannot get anywhere or there's like a distributor block. You're not allowed to sell it. You know, there's IP claims or there's this or whatever. There's always a way, guys. There's always a way. And it's just as simple as, okay, well, I normally get it at one pound per unit from BS wholesalers and it's one pound 25 at Tesco. So, you know, that's 25p more. Well, actually it's not. If you buy a hundred units at one, one pound and then you buy 10 units, at one pound twenty-five, add the two together and divide it by one hundred and ten, and it's not twenty-five p more. It's probably five p more overall, and you yeah. can stomach that margin within your business. So yeah. that's my top tip of of the day. Always, always, don't go out of stock. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're in the hive, you know this. It's like the it's like the number one rule. It's like. Like, don't want to join the hive. Number two, don't want to stop. But again, difference <laughs> between arbitrage and wholesale. If you're telling me you're a wholesale seller, there is no excuse for going out of stock. If you're yeah. an arbitrage seller, okay, you're used to dealing with, you know, it's shallow and wide. Um, you know, you can buy 10 and you don't need to focus on your replan so much because you're always, you know, after the bigger, better deal. You're always after the next deal. You're only as good as your last deal. And that's fine. So there's a big key difference there between arbitrage versus wholesale. Wholesale, you are in the business of replenishment. It's as simple as that. Don't mix up the two. You know, mix up OA and RA for replenishment or OA and and wholesale for replenishment and RA or whatever. You know, get your stock by hook or by crook, but don't mix up the selling models. Yeah. If that makes sense. So there we go. Top tip for today. So um, I think that's pretty much the key areas of what we wanted to to cover um and we got a lot covered today we got loads i just want us to read that pokemon seems to be simon says i bought 20 pokemon books and the cashier said i'd love a reason to buy 20 and i said it was for a scout group he laughed uh said fair play and have a good discount card for next time there we go absolutely so do whatever works and whatever you feel comfortable with again going back to what matt said some people will lie through their teeth and they are quite comfortable in saying, yeah, I'm, I've, I'm taking these straight down to the kids' hospital. Personally, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. But, you know, some people are quite happy to do that. And if that's okay for you, then retail arbitrage is probably going to be something that's going to work really well for you. Um, you know, but just maybe don't go around telling people you do that. Yeah, I, tend, I, do, I, do, I mean, again, a good piece of advice on this is just make sure you have some kind of 
if you are concerned about being asked, just make up some kind of story um, mm-hmm. before before you go. And generally, that story, will, I, I wouldn't, uh, please don't say you take into the kids' hospital because that's going to get you unwanted attention as well, as well as obviously yeah. being quite <laughs> morally corrupt. You know, you yeah. can make up a little bit of a white lie. Again, personally, I just, I just be honest and say, oh, I resell these. But a, a common one I say is, oh, they're for my business. You're not, yeah. you're not lying and you're being a bit vague. Yeah, um, well, that's a good one. That's yeah, a good one. My 99% go to, oh, I'm buying them for business. This is why I'm buying them in bulk. But know. don't overcomplicate your story either because you will trip yourself up. <laughs> it's like, okay, so what I'm going to tell them is I've got 15 nephews. One's called Sam. James, Bob, Simon, Rick. And then you're like, oh no, so I bought four for Rick and I did this. And they're gonna know. <laughs> they're gonna know. So yeah, just keep it simple, guys. It's as simple as that. Unless you're really good at the fine details, you trip yourself up otherwise. That's the yeah, biggest tip, sure. I think, from uh, from spin. But I think again, most people know I'd love to spend a day on a Tesco uh Tesco checkout because every time someone put like you know, 10 packs of OXO cubes, I'd be going, Ooh. what are they for then? I can guarantee, I can tell you from experience that gets old very quickly. Oh. <laughs> I can tell you from experience. Yeah. It's I exciting for about the first two weeks and after that, it's not exciting at all. Yeah. I wouldn't get any work done because yeah, I'd have like a conversation with, ev- I'd be like, oh, where are you getting that from? I'm, I'm far too nosy. I'm far yeah. too nosy to be on the checkouts. I would literally, my cues would you, be so you, long. Yeah, you'd be getting told off because you'd be you'd be well below your scanning. Like you have to totally. scan. I couldn't work an Audi where they like bang them through. I, yeah, I yeah, wouldn't yeah. be able yeah, to do yeah. that. Every supermarket's got. I don't mind. I don't know what wages. But I used to work at Sainsbury's and they had like, you had the scanning thing. Minimum, I think it was minimum thirty items a minute. Minimum. Really? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, I'd get sacked definitely. Hundred percent, I'd get sacked straight away. So, um, I hope this has been helpful, guys. Uh, like I said, it really wasn't going to be a session of you walk into Tesco's versus you order from, uh, you know, such and such or whatever. We really wanted to dive a little bit deeper in terms of thinking about where you want. Uh, your business to be able to go. And that really should be about understanding the differences in the models and what capabilities you have as a business owner and all of those different areas. So I definitely hope it's been helpful. We've had a good laugh while we've been doing it. I've been insulted. You know, it's... uh... one of those things but there we go (laughs) let me tell you about what's uh coming up the rest of the week if you are a hive member as well so tonight in the hive we are going to be talking about uh hijacking of listings which is um yeah it's quite an interesting quite an interesting subject um so talking about how you can protect your listings and things like that so if you're a hive member make sure you join in for that if you are creating your own listings because it's going to have some good tips there um also later on in the week as well if you are a hive member and you are on the be stocked inventory management software testing program johnny and i are going live at seven o'clock tomorrow night and we're going to run through some demonstrations of how to best use the software as it in its current form and we've also had some new features that have been put onto it as well so we're going to be running through those and just an opportunity to ask any questions because the thing is when you're an innovator and you're creating something that doesn't exist um, then there is always going to be questions on how do I use this how can I best maximize this in my business but 
it is important to just understand that what we're creating is going to is essentially pretty much what we've talked about today. It's about being a master of your inventory, of that level of replenishment and management and knowing where your stock is and in your business. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, Couldn't yeah. agree more. Join us live for that. So uh, when's the replay going to be available? Uh, it should go on YouTube. It's straight away. Straight, straight away. On, yeah. So as soon as we end on here, you'll be able to watch the replay. And it'll be on YouTube tomorrow and the podcast tomorrow-ish. Maybe Thursday, but should be tomorrow. Yeah. Cool. Um, If you are watching or you're going to watch via YouTube, guys, if you can give us like a thumbs up. Pop a little comment onto the actual video as well because it helps with like the algorithm and whatever you're supposed to do. Subscribe to the Beyond the Bide Box channel if you haven't done so already. So you know that when we do do videos or when we do a live or something like that, you're going to get that, you know, notification or I assume you will if you hit the notification bell or, or something like that. There we go. Cindy's popped on there. Thanks, Cindy. So that is uh, the YouTube channel for anyone that hasn't um, seen it. So that's where the replays goes and various different videos and helpful tips and tricks when it comes to being an Amazon seller. So if you haven't subscribed already, please, please do so. And then you'll make sure you get all those notifications. You'll just help us out and it just make us look like we're real YouTubers. <laughs> Like we're real, real gurus. Real, real YouTubers. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Cindy says that's the Facebook videos. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah, it's available on there as well. But yeah, thanks for that, Cindy. Appreciate it. There we go. There's the video. Oh, God, that, that link's still got Never Mind the Buy Box. We need to change that. Oh. There we go. Oh. That's a, your job for the afternoon, Matt. There we go. Yeah, that's a rip me. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff says great session thanks for joining guys really really appreciate it I'll be back next week I think I've got a guest next week uh, where we'll be talking about something Amazon or e-com related uh, but as always keep using the group asking any questions and yeah just keep on selling yeah see you soon take care bye bye